Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Cinema with the Doctor, Jeffrey Skopak, and his trusted assistant, Michael Pop, as they explore the intersection of faith, movies, and our contemporary context. Welcome back to Christ, Culture, and Cinema. How are you today, Michael? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. This is uh, one of these movies that has had me thinking way too deep. Yeah, we're going to go a little deep dive today. You know, we, uh, we've we had a couple of lighter movies. Uh, we've had some really good dramatic movies. Uh, we've even had some animated movies. Now, this one, I, I, it's really not science fiction, but it is. Uh, it's trying to be more grounded yeah. in reality, yet will bend your mind to and fro. So what if we called it science future fiction? Yeah, maybe that's a way to call it. Uh, Can I this, make up that word, future fiction? It's future fiction. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Does Amazon have that genre in their literature? I don't think so. I don't think uh, so. We can. We better uh, copyright it right now. Future uh, fiction. Future fiction. This is sci-fi future fiction. Uh, yes, today we're going to be looking at the movie Interstellar, which was released on October 26th of 2014 so not that long ago directed by uh christopher nolan more noted i think for his writing than his directing but let's face it he's done some big stuff he and brother jonathan i think were the big writers on this but they brought in some big guns certainly some science people uh, especially when they went to make the movie yeah they uh, they weren't messing around they don't want to mess with the physicists and the like but let's face it uh, christopher nolan has done some movies we know like batman begins and the dark knight rises and i know it's one that you haven't seen but absolutely worth seeing if you're a world war ii uh, buff the movie Dunkirk, incredibly well done, as if you were in Dunkirk during the battle. Uh, powerful. Very, very powerful. Great camera work on that movie. So he has done some big, big movies, and, and this one kind of falls into it. Uh, the budget was $165 million. A lot of money. Yeah, the box office globally was seven hundred one point eight million dollars. We'd call that a success. That uh, that definitely made money. That made money. Yeah, I was looking. The opening weekend was almost fifty million, so not quite a third. I'm sure they were okay. Come on, let's get rolling. Yeah, got to get this ball and, down the uh, tracks. U.S. and Canada only ended up at one eighty eight. They would have lost money, but once again, that worldwide power. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see it becoming bigger and bigger now, and. This was a big one. Well, the Nolan boys are Englishmen, so I have a suspicion the global reach of this movie uh, certainly impacted places like England, Australia, at all. So I'm sure that's where it made up some some money. Let's be honest. This is one of those movies where when people start talking about it, it kind of makes you want to go, wait, what? What it? I got to check this out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now... Part of it is the cast. I would tell you this is such uh, an eclectic cast. I've pulled some uh, some folks out. I know you pulled some folks out. Yeah. Let's start with the main character is Cooper, played by 
Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Uh, uh, you're going there, and we know him from. Yep, yep. And we've encountered we've we've encountered his name before in a previous movie. We haven't done on Christ Culture and Cinema, but we did reference the movie The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he's got a great role in that movie right at the beginning. You also reference Tropic Thunder. I think every single podcast. Uh, Tropic Thunder. He is yeah. in Tropic yeah. Thunder. I really enjoyed him in the movie We Are Marshall. And that's another oh, one. I didn't we, have that one down. That's a good we one. We may need that's to do that one. one. That's a great one. The Lincoln Lawyer. Yeah. Excellent movie. I haven't seen it. I haven't uh, seen it. He was in U-571, which is about the English capturing a German U-boat to get the encryption machine. A very, very young Matthew McConaughey. Not as young as Days and Confused. 1993. This is true. My favorite, though, still, what what put him on the board, what made mm-hmm. him Matthew McConaughey, Ed TV. Oh. I love Ed TV. That's a good one. I mean, one. I love Woody Harrelson. You know that. But Ed yeah. TV, oh, my goodness. That's the a good The premise one. is unbelievable. That might be one we have to do just for that idea of what if you were followed by a video camera 24-7. Yeah, this is true. It's, Ed TV yeah. could be and one And, you know, another up. good movie, by the way, that he was in is The Free State of Jones. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a oh, good yeah. movie. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good call. So here's a guy, Matthew McConaughey, playing Cooper. He has got a body of work. But but wait, here's others. Murph, who plays, uh, and there are three Murphs in the movie. There is the, <laughs> the Murph, young Murph, and old Murph. So let's just first talk about Murph. Murph is played by Jessica Chastain, and this is his adult daughter. Okay, in the movie for the Volk of the movie, The Adult Daughter. And she is in movies Zero Dark Thirty. Tremendous. That's the movie about capturing Osama bin Laden and eliminating him. Uh, She's in The Martian. uh, Excellent movie. She's in Jolene. She's in Molly's Game. She's in The Zookeeper's Wife. These are all critically acclaimed movies. Molly's uh, Game was one I really enjoyed. I thought she was tremendous in that. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, uh, The Martian is one that caught my eye only because later on we have Matt Damon. Yep. They were in that together, and yep. it's another kind of uh, astronaut space travel yeah. movie. Yeah. And we can do that one down the road. That is a good movie. Uh, let's talk about Young Murph. So this is... When we start the movie, Cooper at home with his young daughter, Murph, uh, and that's played by Mackenzie Foy. Now, she's in the Twilight Saga. Wow. She's in the last two movies, which is Breaking Dawn. It's the last book. Sure. She is the um, the one who's born from human and vampire yes yeah sorry yeah. love it love all those stephanie meyer books yeah. she's a tremendous writer human and vampire what does yeah. that make you they uh i forget what the term was they used it, it was anyway empire <laughs> vamin i'm not sure i don't think we want to go vamin either yeah, but she was something else so she was excellent in that and uh uh also uh stars in the nutcracker for um what do they call that? It's, it's, it's this new Nutcracker one. I forget the name. I can't mm-hmm, even read my mm-hmm. own writing. But she's going to be in that coming up, and sure. uh, looks tremendous. So, well, she's also in The Conjuring, Black Beauty. I mean, she's in some big stuff. Let's go on the old Murph. Now, this is at the end of the movie, and we'll be talking about what all this means. Played by uh, a screen legend, legend Ellen Burstyn. I mean, good heavens, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Tremendous <laughs> movie. 
Yeah. Personally, the movie that freaked me out as a kid. Exorcist. The Exorcist. I saw that coming. Oh, good See, Lord have mercy. As an Alan Alda fan, I miss it. That was her in Same Time Next Year. Yeah. You know, it's an old Alan Alda movie. Oh, sure. And the mom in uh, When a Man Loves a Woman. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. That's definitely one we'll have on our list someday. Oh, sure. Such a good movie. She's also in The Last Picture Show. I mean, mm. she's in big, big stuff. Yeah, she had 163 credits yeah, since yeah. 1958. She's, mean, and she's still going. Oh, she's still going? Still going. She's amazing. Let's talk about the next character. Character, uh, kind of the, kind of the leading lady in this movie, Brand, played by Anne Hathaway. <laughs> She's uh, huge. You know what is what has she not been in recently? Uh, we know her for things like The Intern, Les Mis. Uh, she was a voice in Rio. One the, and two. How about uh, The Dark Knight Rises? <laughs> I was waiting for you I to mean, go she's there. I mean, she's playing Catwoman there. I mean, that was just stellar. How about The Devil Wears Prada? Uh, get smart as Agent Ninety Nine. You uh, you didn't go Princess Diaries. Uh, Come on, that's what she's known for. Let's be honest. Princess Diaries. I put her on the map. Yeah, I mean, we can just go on and on and on Havoc. again. A just yeah. a Tremendous. right now a Hollywood you know machine so to speak. Uh, she's big time. Playing dad to Cooper and grandpa to Murph is Donald, played by John Lithgow. Now. Big time. Oh, he's big time. You know, he's all over the place. So Third Rock from the Sun, most people remember him from that. They know him from there. He was in The Crown, uh, the Netflix show The Crown, and he plays Winston Churchill. Oh, my word. He's good. He is tremendous in that. Uh, How about some of his movies? A Civil Action. How about Footloose? He was the... uh... The pastor who was trying to bring down the... Bringing down the, the town. Dan- no, no dancing. No, no dancing. No, no, yeah, no fun. The, but then he turned around, he, Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. Daddy's Home 2, yeah. Pitch Perfect 3. I mean, there's some interesting ones. How about... But How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. I think it's Bar- Barney's dad? No. I don't even know. He's, He's there. He's hilarious in that. The Pelican Brief. Oh, yeah. The Accountant. Love Grissom. Where he really like blows up on the screen. The world according uh, uh, the world according to Garp, with Robin Williams. Go oh, go check that one yeah, out. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Oh my word! Love yes. Robin Williams. Now the next one I want to bring in is the robot Tars, the voice of Tars, and that's Michael. Uh, I'm sorry, that's Bill Irwin, and he's been in things like Rachel Getting Married, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Lots of Law and Order SVU. He was a he was a mainstay in CSI. Uh, he's also done all this voice stuff for Sesame Street and Elmo. Uh, that would make sense. He's the voice guy. It's kind of crazy. He's a voice guy. Let's move on. Professor Brand, uh, kind of the nemesis in this movie, somewhat. He is uh, another long time. One hundred seventy six credits since nineteen forty six. Played by Michael Caine. A lot yeah, of acting. Yeah, holy cow! But here we go. Where are some of the crossovers? He's in the dark. He's in the Batman series with Christopher Nolan, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, and who is he playing with there? Oh, Anne Hathaway. Don't yeah, forget, surprise. there he is. There's a crossover. Yeah. Uh, but again, Dunkirk. He is a voice in Dunkirk with Michael Nolan, uh, Christopher Nolan, and Michael Nolan. So there's this there's that connection there. Again. He's in Inception. Victory. Uh, uh, Love Victory. The movie Victory oh, with my Sylvester goodness. Stallone. So good. Great movie. I think Pele is in that with him. He is. Oh, so all good. the great, all the great soccer players yeah. are in that. Uh, the Eagle has landed. Bridge too far. And personally, one of my favorites, 
Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I love Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. <laughs> so good. He's so such a great straight character. But again, <clears throat> Alan Alda fan, Sweet Liberty. Oh, yeah. He was so good in Sweet Liberty. I love that one. And I referenced it in the last Christ Culture and Cinema, uh, Mr. Destiny. Oh, yes. I like him and Mr. Destiny a lot. And, of course, how do you forget Austin Powers, Gold Member? Of course one he One we will plays. probably never do. One. <laughs> Austin <laughs> Powers' father. He drives the Cooper Mini. I mean, come oh, on. Oh, yeah. You can't. Oh, and Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, that's right. He is the only real character i think i think anyway he's one up he's yes. good though we love michael kane does a great job in this but not a big part no and a couple other th- ones that i'll throw out and then i know you've got few now playing oh. cooper's son tom as an adult is casey affleck uh <laughs> and he's known for manchester by the sea he was in towers heist oceans 13 oceans 11 american pie one and two uh, he's been in quite a few things. Goodwill Hunting. Not yeah. not quite as well known as brother, his brother. Ben. Right. Yeah. I mean, Which is why he got that. a bit part in Goodwill Hunting because his brother and Matt Damon were there. Yeah. And who knows? You know, Matt Damon was in this one too. We certainly yeah. have that connection. And then playing young Tom, because we only have a young Tom and a current Tom in this case, no right. older Tom, is Timothy uh, it's Chalamet. Of Tom's decision. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about that. Well, that's Spoiler right. alert. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, and, you know, nice. he hasn't been in a lot of things. He's been in Lady Bird, which is a relatively new movie. Little Women. Uh, he was a, he was an actor in Royal Pains, the old uh, USA, oh, yeah. uh, USA show. I was more excited about his coming character as the young Willy Wonka in Wonka. It's oh, coming up. Oh, yeah. Brand yeah, new yeah. one coming up. Uh, he's going to play young Willy Wonka. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with that. And then you had a couple others throw in there. Yeah, I, uh, certainly the principal. Oh, I'm going to kill his name, David Oyelowo. Mm-hmm. But he was in The Paperboy, Lincoln. He played uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma. Mm-hmm. That's where I think most people will know him. Sure. Um, Wrinkle in Time. So he was, he was good. Uh, I think Doyle's character... Even though, again, spoiler alert, he, right. when they all go through the wormhole, yep. he's the first one to die. But he uh, is the game master in Hunger Games. Oh, that's uh, right. Uh, Seneca Crane, mm-hmm. uh, American Beauty, Mission Impossible Fallout. So, you know, big character, yeah. and yet dies early. Yeah, dies off early. Um, person who comes in late and kind of plays a villain, Matt Damon. Sure. Plays man. He was one that went to, uh, as you're going to find out, the the trying to find future settlements yep. out of the 12. He was one of the three that supposedly was able to be settled, even though he lied because he wanted to be saved. Right. He's a punk. But Matt Damon, we know <laughs> Goodwill Hunting, uh, The Martian, we've done Ford versus Ferrari. We've yeah. done Legend of Bagger Vance, yeah. The Departed. He's also in this Oceans 11, 12, and 13. Sure. So you see the, the carryover. Yep. The last one I, I did was uh, David Gaiasi, mm-hmm. uh, Romilly, which, again, such a neat character in this movie, and yet sad. Yeah. We, we watch him age, what was it, like 26 years in the time they were down? In minutes. Yeah. In oh, minutes. my goodness. But he's also, guess what? Dark Knight Rises, Doctor Who, Annihilation. So yeah. uh, neat characters, great cast. Very deep, deep movie. Yeah, let me let me summarize the plot, and I'm going to take a, a little longer kind of walk through this because this is a mind-bending science fiction, uh, mm. really warping of time movie, and you kind of have to understand the gist of it to really start to see the intersections of culture and faith. Before you read it, maybe yeah. this will help. So one of the executive producers, Kip Thorne, mm-hmm. Caltech Theoretics 
physicist. Mm-hmm. And what I really loved what he said, as you read this, I think this will come out. Um, one of the things that they did is that uh, in pre-production, he laid down two guidelines to strictly follow. Nothing would violate established physical laws, and all wild speculations would spring from science, not from creative mind of the screenwriter. And the director, Christopher Nolan, accepted it as long as it did not get in the way of making the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they said that did not prevent clashes, and at one point, Thorne spent two weeks talking Nolan out of the idea of traveling faster than light. Oh, so as we go. as we go through this, you're going to see why this is so deep. And we're talking about a physicist brought in, creative, you know, trying to keep everything on the up and up. Um, in fact, there was two physicists um, <laughs> said they were set up on a on a blind date by Carl Sagan. Now, mm. Carl Sagan setting up two people. Yeah. So with that, you should uh, explain the movie. Well, I was going to say, you know, they should have hired Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> Because he, too, is a theoretical <laughs> physicist in he, the Big Bang Theory. He does play one on TV. And, you know, he, he did like string theory, so I think that pl- applies to this. So let's talk about the movie. It, the movie is this. In 2067, a crop blights uh, and dust storms threaten the survival of the humankind. Cooper, who is a widowed engineer and former NASA pilot, now turned farmer, lives with his father-in-law, Donald, his 15-year-old son, Tom, and his 10-year-old daughter, Murph. After a horrible dust storm, strange dust patterns inexplicably appear in Murph's bedroom. Now, she attributes the anomaly to a ghost. Cooper eventually deduces that the patterns were caused by gravity variations, and they represent geographic coordinates in binary code. I don't think I would pick up on that, do you? Even if you picked up on it, Mm -hmm. if it's just a gravity anomaly, would you pack up everything you have and try to get to the coordinates of said point. Well, you know what? A little I think, scary. Well, and it's definitely, let's face it, desperate times. That's it is what desperate you times. see on the screen. It's desperate. And, and this is why we don't have an older Tom. Right. Because he doesn't go with him. That's right. Now, what happens is Cooper follows the coordinates to a secret NASA base uh, headed by Professor John Brand, who's going to be kind of the nemesis we discover in this movie. Now, 48 years earlier, Unknown beings positioned a wormhole near Saturn. Now, what is a wormhole? It opens a pathway to a distant galaxy with uh, other places where there might be potential mm. habitable planets. Uh, now, this Imagine taking the U.S. map, folding it in half, and poking a hole between Jacksonville and Washington, let's say Seattle, Yeah. and us being able to just go across the border and we're in Washington. Kind of that idea. Wormhole. Now... 12 volunteers travel through the wormhole to individually survey the planets. And three, Dr. Mann, Laura Miller, and Wolf Edmonds reported positive results. Based on their data, Professor Brand conceives two plans to ensure humanity's survival. Plan A, it it involves developing a gravitational propulsion theory to propel settlements into space. While plan B involves launching the endurance spacecraft carrying 5,000 human embryos to settle a habitable planet. That's... I don't think we should get into the uh, 
theory about embryos and, and life right now on Christ yeah, Culture no. Cinema. Well, uh, there's bigger things to talk about. We have we other things to talk about. Now Cooper but is interesting. Re- now Cooper is recruited because he is a NASA pilot to fly the Endurance. Before leaving, Cooper gives a distraught Murphy his wristwatch to compare the relative time for when he returns. After traversing the wormhole, Dr. Romilly studies the black hole, while Cooper, Dr. Doyle, and Dr. Amelia Brand descend in a land craft to investigate Miller's planet, an ocean world covered in knee-high water. After finding the wreckage from Miller's ship, Brand insisting on checking the wreckage disobeys Cooper's order to reboard immediately, leading to Doyle's death by a gigantic wave. Due to Gargantua's, uh, Gargantua's proximity, time is severely dilated, and bammo, 23 years have elapsed for Romilly on endurance by the time Cooper and Brand return. Poor Romilly. 23 years. Can you imagine? So why they thought they were gone just a, a short time, he's up there 23 years waiting for him. I can't believe years. he was still there. 23 years. That's I think I would have left. Would you have left? I probably would have left. I would have left. I'd have left after about three months. Three so, months. Forget you. You're not coming back. Three months, the bears are on TV. Well, <laughs> if there were bears at that point, I'm probably still watching reruns of the uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl 1985. Yeah. Yep. Uh, be the one. Uh, so Cooper decides to use the remaining fuel to reach man's planet where they revive him from cryostasis. Meanwhile, Murphy, now a scientist working with NASA, transmits a message announcing Professor Brand has died. She has learned that Plan A, which requires unattainable data from within a black hole, was never viable. Murphy accuses Brand and Cooper of knowing that those left on Earth were doomed to die. Cooper subsequently declares that he will be returning to Earth while Brandon Romilly will remain on Man's planet for permanent habitation. While Man and Cooper explore the planet, Man reveals that the planet really is not habitable. Dirtball. Dirtball. He had sent falsified information so he could be request uh, rescued. Um, Romilly is killed, uh, ultimately by a booby trap left by man. Brand and Cooper race to the Endurance in another lander. Man dies during uh, a failed docking operation. Severely. Deserves it. Oh, he got everything he deserved, didn't he? After a difficult docking maneuver, Cooper regains control of the damaged but functional Endurance. With insufficient fuel to reach Edmund's planet, they use the slingshot maneuver so close to Gargantua. Armageddon. That time dilation adds another 51 years. Yep. This is crazy, isn't Old. it? Cooper and the Robotars jettison themselves to shed weight and propel endurance to ensure it reaches Edmund's planet. Slipping through the event horizon of Gargantua, they eject from the respective craft and find themselves inside the massive Tesseract. Now, for those keeping track of the math, 23, 51, we're talking about 74 years. Uh, right, 23 or 51. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we've got uh, Murph, to, who was 10. Yeah, you used to teach math, by the way. Just yeah, I started questioning myself because I was thinking it was 94 or 84 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So Murph's going to be old if we run into her again. Sorry, go. Yeah, so Cooper can see. Uh, so what happens is through this thing, the Tesseract, constructed by future humans inside the singularity. Across different time periods, Cooper can see through the bookcases of Murphy's old room on Earth and weakly, you know, with, with very little energy, is able to interact with its gravity, Cooper realizes he was Murphy's ghost. And, and this is where it got a little freaky for me the first time I watched. Yeah. Because number one, he just basically killed himself by launching himself off to let her go. Yeah. And now he's in the backside of his daughter's closet yeah. 
way back yeah. 84 years or 74 Moving years books. ago. It's like poking it? books. Isn't that crazy? Wait, it's 23 and 51. I was right. The f- yeah. 84. 74. 74. And then 74 you added years. the 10 years of her age. So, so now he's in that closet 74 years earlier and you're like, what just happened? Yeah. Is this real? What's yeah. going on? But again, this is that whole wormhole time travel. Yeah. Boom. And this is when he realizes he can manipulate he the, the second hand of the wristwatch he gave Murphy using Morse code to transmit the quantum data that TARS collected from inside the event horizon. Back on Earth, Murphy is able to finalize, uh, realize that uh, the ghost was Cooper all along, her dad, from the future, and deciphers the Morse code from the apparent ticking of the second hand of the wristwatch. Ta-da! Ejected from the Tesseract, Cooper is picked up and awakens on a space habitat orbiting Saturn, where he reunites with his, his daughter, daughter who's, who's 84 years old. 84 years old. It's just amazing. Using the quantum data sent by Cooper, the young Murphy had solved the gravitational propulsion theory for Plan A. <gasps> plan A works. Enabling humanity's mass exodus and survival, nearing death and with her own family, Murphy urges Cooper to return to Amelia Brand. Cooper and Tars take a mm. spacecraft to rejoin Amelia and robot case on Edmund's habitable planet. The end. The end. Now, Cooper never ages throughout the whole movie. Nope. Well, I'm sure he ages like a couple months. Meanwhile, never his took a daughter, month, couple weeks. His daughter ages 74 years. Wow. His son perishes. Well, son's dead, yeah. Yeah, he perishes. He stayed on the farm. It wasn't going to last. He stayed on the farm. It just was not a poor decision. Not a good not a good decision. No. So, what is what does this all mean for us? And and as I look at this mm. movie, yeah, there's great science fiction. Sure, there's this fascinating physics and the like. But yeah, it, wormholes. But it all boils down to time. And we live in a definitive timeline. We have a twenty four hours a day. Kind of the uh, kind of the uh, book of Ecclesiastes, a time to live mm. and a time to die. It's Ecclesiastes three, right? I mean, this is start and finish. We have a start and a finish. But what if there is something that transcends time, something that is beyond control of, able to work in and out of and all around the time? You mean like something that would allow us to live forever? Well, how about something that does and enables us to? I like it. And it comes to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, God precedes our time. It always was. Always was. Nobody created God. I always love it when Loki's like, well, who created God? Who created God? He always was. How can he? He is it. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Always was. Precedes us in the beginning. You know, and, and that kind of fast forwards us to what the writer of Revelation says, as we kind of string this thought together of time, Revelation chapter 1, it's in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, who is to come, and who is to come. Mm. 
we don't talk that way. And, and you know, if, you, if that weren't enough, you get to the end of Revelation. You know, I like how the Bible kind of frames things sometimes. And it's 21 verse 6. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without paying for it. This notion of transcendence beyond, before, above, beneath, around time, that we as Christians through Jesus have an understanding that, yes, we have a finite timeline of birth to death, but there is an infinite eternity awaiting for us through the redemption of Jesus that there is a transcendence of time that is eternity in the kingdom of heaven. And when you watch a movie like this, when you're, when you're looking at it and you're trying to put the pieces together, ultimately we have scientists and pilots going into the great unknown, willing to sacrifice for what? They're willing to sacrifice to save humanity. And they don't even know if any of this is going to work. They have no idea if there's going to be any ability to live on these planets. They don't know if they're going to be able to bring people there again. Uh, it's a great unknown. Just imagine, if you will, you go someplace, you're down on a planet for a couple of hours, and by the time you get back to the spaceship, your co-pilot is aged 23 years. Would you be comfortable with that, Michael? No. Again, where would you have gone? Yeah. Don't think you would have been sticking around. Just just have a suspicion. No, you would have thought they're dead. They're gone. They're no more. This this lack of time. Which really brings us to this notion of as a Christian, we know what is beyond. We may not know exactly what it is, we may not know how it's exactly gonna be, but we know through the lenses of faith there is more than the here and now, more than the today, more than a tomorrow, there is an eternity prepared by Christ for us. What would you be willing to sacrifice so that another person can spend that time with you there? Now look at what Cooper was willing to sacrifice. Michael, tell me, what do you think Cooper was willing to sacrifice and why was he willing to do it? Well, at that point, uh, it's desperation. What is left to live for? I mean, mm -hmm. let's face it. If you were a NASA astronaut yeah. and an engineer, and now you're living on a farm where you're fighting dust storms, you're fighting yeah. crop issues, what do you got left? Yeah. You're, you're fighting for your kids. He's looking at his, his, his kids saying, look, we got to do something. Right. We got to do something. And, and, and to be desperate enough to take coordinates that you think were just gravitationally put in, you know, he's willing to do whatever it takes to try to find a future for his kids. Right. And you and I have talked about it. What is our job as pastors? I mean, future. Yeah. Well, what is the whole purpose? What are we doing? Why yeah. have we decided to spend our lives telling people about Jesus Christ? I mean, this is it. Mm -hmm. we, we should be more desperate than Cooper. Yeah, and I, and I think that really does bring us to our question of the day as we consider this sort of mind-bending movie, Interstellar. Knowing that 
in Christ, there is a transcendence of time to eternal life. As we look at Cooper, he was willing to sacrifice everything to provide a future for his children, one day maybe his grandchildren, and for that sake, all of humanity. And he was willing to sacrifice without any certainty that any of it was going to work. So what are you willing to sacrifice so that somebody would have the gift of eternity with Jesus? What are you willing to set aside so that you can tell someone else about how the kingdom of heaven can be theirs, a time and a place that transcends the here and the now in our understanding of time, this notion of eternity through Christ our Lord. I think that's really where Interstellar takes us. It is about a sacrifice, a sacrifice for eternity. Now, having said all that, next week, we're going to go a little different, Michael. Guess where we're going to go? Where are we going? We're going to go back to Disney. We need a little <laughs> We need a little break from something this heavy. Oh, we, boy. We've had we some do. heavy lifting today. I'm sure some of our listeners are going, this movie really is making my head hurt. Next go week, watch it. Oh, go watch it, though. It's a good movie. Next week, we're going to go to a newer Disney animated movie. Uh, it is their ode to the Mexican Pavilion in Epcot Center. Uh, it is the Disney movie... Coco. Until next time, we'll see you at the movies. Thank you for joining us for Christ, Culture, and Cinema with the Doctor, Jeffrey Skopak, and his assistant, Michael Pop. Until next time, we'll see you at the movies.